Cheap Gab number 43 for March 13th, 2006. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton. I'm here with John Braun. Hi, John. <laughs> what the heck was that? <laughs> <laughs> I had the kids playing in the studio this weekend, so I uh, <laughs> I recorded a little intro there from, from my daughter. <sighs> That's hilarious. Now, um, now, child services is okay with this? Because uh, it wasn't done under duress or anything? No, I don't believe it was done under duress. No, Okay. She, she was, that was quite great. I think she, she, She's got a future, I think, as a uh, podcaster. Oh yeah, she's she's got a mind of her own. That's for sure. Yeah, we may want to get her uh, opinion on some uh, some uh, topics here. Oh no 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 no! No, no we yet. leave her opinion where it is. Why are the lights <laughs> flickering in my studio? Ooh, this is not good. Well, you're right. up in the sticks there, you know. Oh I mean? my god! <laughs> well, tonight we are talking about uh, broadband geekery. Specifically, we're talking about cable modems and what all their little stats mean, how you can see their stats, and uh, what what matters and what's not important whatsoever. So that's uh, that's the topic of the show tonight. I know yeah. we both... I think some of this could apply to DSL as well, but... Absolutely. Absolutely some may not. Right. My reflection has been, DSL is kind of like cable, but it's slower and more prone to problems but uh, well yeah i know it's, it's, it's like the typically ISDN slower of, yeah. of you know yeah, yeah. i i never uh, i i started with uh i went straight from modem to uh you know telephone modem analog modem to uh cable modem cable modem so I never went through the uh the trauma but i, I know you you did dsl so I, I had dsl for a short period when it was actually faster than what the cable company offered when i was in uh oh. connecticut they had Charter had really slow cable, like 768 downstream. And uh, so the DSL at 1.5 megabits was even faster. So we're going to talk about that and uh, a whole lot more. But first, our sponsor. And tonight's sponsor is AudioEngineUSA.com, makers of the fine Audio Engine A5 speakers. The speakers are desktop speakers. They sit on your desk. They're these nice white cubes. They've kind of got a... Uh, uh, you know, a, a chic look to them. Two different speakers in each one, two drivers, a low-end driver, a high-end driver, and they sound amazing. On top of the speaker, uh, on top of one of the speakers is a input for your iPod, as well as a headphone, or a, I'm sorry, of course a headphone jack, and a USB port so that you can actually charge your iPod while you're playing them through the speakers. You can hook them up to your computer too. That's the Audio Engine A5 speakers from AudioEngineUSA.com. Mm-hmm. They rock the house. They do. Yeah, they sound great. At least they rock my house. Yeah, do your neighbors complained yet? Um, I don't know. I can't hear them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they need to get a pair of A5s. <laughs> I'll so, mention it to them. Uh, so tell me what you did this week with, with, your, uh, with your cable modem, John. We, uh, we went through a whole bunch of different things. Uh, kind of started our uh, conversation pretty much right after the show went up on, on Monday night and it's continued from there. So, well, I, you know, kind of looked at it and, you know, kind of got absorbed by the, the blinking lights and, uh, you know, it was pretty soothing actually. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> well, you can actually find out thinking... more information. That's right. 
Yeah, so, you know, one of the first things is, like, you know, this is a network device, so I'm figuring out there's got to be a way to to wrap with it, to to talk to it. Absolutely. Um, And just about every cable modem, right, can do this. If you go into your, what John's alluding to is if you go into your web browser and point it to, and this is going to be weird, but do it anyway, point it to 192.168.100.1, that's 192.168.100.1, most cable modems will return a status screen. Uh, I know the Ambit ones, you have to actually log in, and the, I think the password is root, believe it or not. But Ooh, good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what you'll notice, that 192 address, for those of you keeping a, <clears throat> excuse me notes at home here, 192 is one of those non-routable IP addresses, uh, one of the ranges where it's an IP address that you're not going to find on the Internet. Um, That's right. There, there are a few others there, the the 10 series, and there's a couple others. And, so. and the 172 dot something, and I can't remember what it is. Yeah, but, so that's reserved for yeah. devices that are uh, one of the addresses. So yeah, if, um, and I think both our modems, if you punch in that address in uh, your standard web browser, you're going to get something. That's right. And you probably don't have to log in, at least in my case, and I think in nope. your case, you get something. Yep. Now, uh, now, I've got you a, and now, I have... Uh, what, which modem do you have, John? All right, what I have, have here, looking at uh, at the screen here, let's see. What, no, what brand a, modem? Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's, a, it's a Scientific Atlanta WebStar DPC 2100. Okay. Um, which I recently swapped out. I did have a, uh, I think it was a Motorola. Um, surfboard? Was that surfboard? Yeah, and uh, the problem I had with that is that the power connector, I think there was a cold solder joint because it would kind of intermittently just uh, reboot. And then I would see the yeah, all the bad. lights flashing, especially the power light, you know, which indicated, at least with that, that one, that it was uh, power cycling. And if I jiggled the connector, uh, it would do it again. Sometimes, you know, I did all this weird stuff, you know, trying to tie a rubber band and so, and it just, no. So That's not you know, worth I called, it, man. No. Yeah. So I called Cablevision and I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, well, bring it in. We'll give you another one. And when they, when I showed up, they swapped it out for, uh, for this uh, Scientific Atlanta, which I'm very very happy with it i'm getting wonderful rates uh these guys here uh optimum online is uh one of the better services and i'm just getting uh excellent excellent speeds here and excellent. uh what do, you, what do you have on your end uh dave well i'm i'm uh and and, and john john's story actually led uh, led us to an interesting anecdote and that is that if you're having a problem with the cable modem really it doesn't matter what brand you have for the most part um you know just bring it back to the cable company they'll swap it out for you uh, if you're renting it, of course, if you own it, you've either got to rent a new one or buy one. But it is uh, it is not worth messing with a troublesome cable modem. These days, I'm actually using a Motorola surfboard, I think the 4100, but uh, mm-hmm. it's uneventful. It just, you know, you plug it in and it works, and pretty much I don't worry about it until I have a problem. But, yeah, and that's good now that you have this DOCSIS standard, because in these right. bad old days, actually, I was a bit ahead of the curve when... Uh, uh, I was at my last location. Um, I had a Terion, and this Custom, was through uh, yeah. everybody's favorite former cable modem company at home, which uh, that was before standards, um, where it was pretty much proprietary, and that was the only game in town right now. As far as I know, if you if you really wanted to, you could go to just about any uh, office supply place, and uh, if you chose to, uh, buy your own, of course. In, right. in my case, and probably your case, it's thrown in with the, uh, as long as I pay them the uh, monthly fee, the modem is free. There you go. And some places it's like five bucks to rent. Uh, you know, that's one of those things where you got to decide whether it's worth it to you or not. But anyway, back to our status screen that we started with. Really, every one of them is going to be different, but there's going to be a couple of, couple of main sections. One is going to 
be sort of the overview that tells you, yes, the cable modem is online or no, it's not. Uh, some of them have a way where you can look at their logs. But really, the, uh, the screen that you're looking for is something that talks about signal strength, because this is basically the first line of troubleshooting here between you and or the last line, depending on how you're looking at it, uh, mm-hmm. between you and the cable company. So it's good to know what what's going on here and, and why things are the way they are. There's there's a couple of couple of specific parameters or results rather that you want to look at. The first is the downstream power level. And downstream power level is the amount of juice, if you will, that the cable modem is getting from the cable company. And the way the downstream works is your cable modem actually tunes into a channel just like your TV does, but it's a channel that your TV can't get. And that's where the downstream comes from. And I think there can be multiple channels depending on the way the, the cable cables configured. You don't get to control that, but your modem should pick the best one, right? And downstream power level from, from what I understand is supposed to range from negative 15 dBmV to positive 15 dBmV and from what I understand from talking to cable technicians, the closer to zero you are, the better. Is that is that basically what you've heard, John? Mm. You know, I don't know in my case because there's a program we're going to talk about in a moment here, and yep. mine is consistently zero. Aha! So your cable modem doesn't report it to you. That is the, uh, at least the program we're going to talk about in a moment, that's what it says. It says yeah. it's either zero or the modem chooses not to tell you what it is gotcha well in it'll, my case, flu- it'll fluctuate a little bit so if you're not seeing any fluctuation then chances are it's just reporting nothing yeah so mine calls it receive power level yeah receive or downstream that's right the next one of course would be the upstream power level to look at now it well to go back to well with any of these power levels if it's outside of that range you've got something bigger to worry about and we can actually talk talk about what you can do to to try and make your range ranges better but uh the second the second range to or the second level to look at is the upstream power level and that's supposed to go anywhere between positive eight and positive 58 dbmv this is the amount of power that your cable modem has to send out in order to get a signal back to the cable company the head end or whatever it is there Mm -hmm. the higher this number is the more noise you have on the line that the cable modem has to overcome uh, so, you know, I, I've seen it. I don't think I've ever seen it below 30. Um, but I guess it's, you know, the, the lower it goes, the better, but even if I have, it, yeah, you have the upstream well, mine right now. And it's pretty consistent. Mine's 48, mm. but I don't think there's a problem. Now there's another nope. figure, which I do not see, um, on this, uh, now my modem in particular has a very, I mean, it's showing me like maybe six different values. There's the yeah. receive, the transmit. It says cable modem status, which it says operational, so I'm going to trust it's that, happy. That's right. Well, the fact that we're talking over Skype is proof along. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's just fine. Um, but yeah, so I got 48 for my transmit power level. Okay, that's, that's but, pretty uh, high. That uh, They say that once you start getting above 50, you're going to start having problems, and my experience has been that, that that's true. Um, so, and and then there's one last thing to talk about, and then we can talk about what, if there's anything you as a homeowner or, you know, cable subscriber can do to mm-hmm. make that better. But the last one's the signal to noise ratio, and that's on the receive side. And the signal to noise ratio should be 30 decibels or higher, 30 dB. If it's less than 24 dB, you won't get a connection in most cases. So this is basically the amount of 
juice that you're getting from the cable company in relation to how much noise is on the line. And it obviously has to be a clear enough signal for it to do the magic that it's going to do for you. Mm-hmm. I needed a sip of tea. So tea. Uh, basically, the, the one thing that impacts this level that's controllable by you is splitters on the line. Oh, yes. Oh, splitters. Yeah. Oh, now, it could just, if you're having a problem, you know, and you notice that your signal strength or your signal levels are, you know, at, at, at or above tolerance levels, you can try this. And then it may simply be a problem with the cable buried in your, you know, in your yard or the cable, you know, running from the street to your house or whatever. Oh, yes. And I had that not with this modem, but with yeah. the prior one. Right now, I'm very close to the pole, so I'm not worried about signal That's loss good. from a long cable. But you remember where I used to live? Yeah. Had we, a probably had about a th- we had a 300-foot run. Mm-hmm. And also, it was running through the trees, and uh, yeah. at least in this part of town, there's all sorts of critters, and, and some right. of them seemed to think that this was something interesting to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, and you know, it, it, the reason I knew that there was something wrong is that the modem would spontaneously keep resetting itself. You seem to have that problem a lot. And that's typically the problem, yeah. When, it, when you have a tolerance issue where the, the modem is, you know, not quite in uh or, or not quite out of range but at the edge it'll do that it'll keep trying to kind of resync as though you reset it you know you've as though you repowered it it's going to keep going through and trying to grab a, a hold of a better signal yeah and in this case with with the prior one with the at-home service which you know they're they're not around anymore but it took a couple of calls to the cable provider to say you know there's something wrong and i still remember there was a tech that came out and he's like oh no everything's great yeah and I'm like, you know, it's still resetting. There's something really wrong here. And I called again, and another tech who seemed to know what he was doing said, no, this is terrible. You know, I think the other guy just didn't right. you know, relish wanting to spend a half a day running 300 foot of cable because right. it came out of the pocket of the uh, cable company and not uh, not us. So, um, But once they replaced it, and apparently, you know, something or someone chewed on it, um, everything was great. But uh, long runs are, uh, you know, bad for, you know, any well, medium. Prone to problems. Loss. That's right. Yeah. So, so the, uh, the splitter, in addition to the critters in John's former yard, uh, splitters that you've put on the line can actually make uh, a difference here. What a splitter will do, typically, if you've got a two-way splitter, you lose seven decibels with the whole splitter. Typically, it's split three and a half on one side and three and a half on the other. And what that'll do is that'll lower your receive power level and raise your upstream power level because you're... You're putting a filter in, essentially, of three decibels. That are three and a half decibels. That can make a difference or not, and sometimes it can actually help you. I had a, an overactive head end at one point where they were sending me too much signal. By, so by putting a splitter in line, I had the room on the upstream. By putting a splitter in line, I was actually able to bring the, the level down. There are some splitters out there that, instead of doing three and a half on one and three and a half on the other, do one dB on one and six dB on the other. And this they, they call a... a the texts commonly refer to it as a tap splitter because it takes as clean of a signal as it can and sends it out that one dB port. So if you've got a cable modem and then digital cable and all that, a lot of times they'll put one of these splitters in that just gets one dB off the line and sends it straight to your cable modem and then use the six and amplify that out elsewhere. So typically amplifiers don't work with cable lines for cable modems, but they work with just about everything else. So. So splitters can cause a problem. Yep. Um, it could be also your house wiring, depending on who wired it up and how many splitters. Like, yeah, you, you know, may not got... be aware. You may have six or eight splitters yeah. in your house by all. Yeah, and actually, when I got done. this place, the the good news was that you know somebody ran 
uh, cable pretty much to every room in the house. Uh, the bad news was there were multiple splitters. There were some in the basement. There were some in the attic. Um, and yeah, each one takes takes out a little signal. There you go. So uh, so so no, you know, try to get a map of your wiring and stuff like that. Um, especially with they they do have do-it-yourself kits, and uh, you may be in good shape if you don't have a lot of splitters. That's right. That's right. So one of the so so that's what your the generic diagnostics inside your cable modem tell you. Uh, there are a, a couple of other utilities out there. One in particular that that John stumbled onto called Docs Diag, and that will take this and dig even deeper. And one of the one of the things that it will tell you is how fast your cable modem is, uh, and that can be a very interesting s- statistics. Your your cable modem can run what is it? Can it run above twenty megabits a second, John? I think I think a lot of them can, right? It, out of the box. Um. <clears throat> I don't know the figure off the top of okay. my head, but um, but a lot of them can probably go a lot, a lot there's faster. There's a maximum than... speed. Yes, and then there's a speed that the cable company tells the modem is the maximum speed. Right. So they cap, cap it now. That's right. In the past, and I don't know all the gory details, but from what I understand, in the past there was a way for the user to kind of fiddle with the modem and to kind of remove the cap. Well, you you still can most of the time if your cable company catches you doing that. They yeah. will stop providing you service altogether. That's, so, uh, because basically falls bad. into the theft of service arena. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, you don't, don't want to do that. Don't try to do that because if you get, yeah. But you, it you is good to know. It is good to know, especially if you're paying for a certain speed and you want to make sure, first, you want to make sure that your modem gets it. And, and you can look at that, and you can see it with this docs diag. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's a command line utility. It's not pretty, but it does report some data that you may not be able to see in your modem's diagnostics. I, the one modem that I had was an Ambit, and that actually let me see it right on the normal diagnostics page. But otherwise, you've got to use this docs diag thing. Note, though, that some modems won't work with docs diag if the cable company has turned off uh, support for utilities like this and specifically just turned off support for SNMP. Simple network management protocol, which Correct. is a favorite for network admins because routers and all sorts of other network equipment uh, to conform to this uh, spec, and it basically allows you to go to a device, and uh, I think it's called a MIB, uh, and, and basically you can go to the device and say, tell me all about yourself, and also, you uh, I believe, set some parameters. So, so uh, once once you've made sure that the speed is right with the docs diag, then you want to make sure the speed is right on your computer, right? Mm-hmm. And there are countless websites out there that I've found uh, to test this. I used to use the one at Broadband Reports or DSLReports.com. Do you ever wind up using that one, John? Yeah, that one's pretty good, though. Sometimes you had to, uh, they limited the number wait. of people that could do it, or you had to buy a membership, uh, yeah. things like that. But, uh, it, it but would I like test... the one that you told me about. Yeah, the, the, and the, the one I've, I've liked lately is... One from Speakeasy. It's it's always easy to remember. It's speakeasy.net slash speed test. So uh, very easy. And you can pick a, they've got what about five or six different uh, stations that you can test from. So pick one that appears close to you and hit the thing. Yeah. And... What do you do? Boston? Is Boston your closest? No, there's or a New, New York. York one. I do New York. Yeah. yeah, I do New York. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I, I've noticed that sometimes it, sometimes it won't report the, the highest speed that you can go simply because the traffic between, you know, me and the, the testing station is, you know, too much to, to transmit all of that at once, Mm -hmm. but try it late at night. Usually good time to scope things out and see what kind of throughput you're getting. 
Yeah, or you could try if you have a uh, you know a fellow geek nearby and they'd like right. to set up their machine and do a quick file download. Because uh, if somebody's on a yep. circuit that's close to you, I would say you probably. Oh no, yeah, no but that's no, not going to no. do it, right? Because no, their modem is capped. Do it. You're right. Yeah, their, the, their modem's capped. The download and the upload speed, as we're going to touch yep. on in a moment. So no, that will not work. No, that won't. So. Uh, in many cases, it'll get capped by the upload speed. And, you know, that's a funny thing. You would think the speeds would be the same. But they're not. It's asynchronous, right? A cable modem oh typically... What, is it not supposed to use that word? No, well, I guess you could. Okay. Well, I, I think it's intentional depending on the class of service that you order from. That's right. I think for, for most right. consumer-type accounts, they... I think the reasoning is they don't want you running a 24-7 type server arrangement. Right. Because um, bandwidth is money. And, That's right. Uh, so and I believe a lot of them will have a business or a commercial account if you want to get the honk in uh, upstream bandwidth. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know enough about how the, the cable head ends are built, um, but I, I, I get the feeling that the cable network is built to send more information downstream than upstream, which only makes sense, right, with... Uh, digital TV and all that good stuff. It's just blasting the stuff at you and not expecting a whole lot back. So that may be the, at least the initial reason for the downstream being uh, significantly faster than the upstream. But of course now they've been building these things, you know, with this in mind. So who knows? Yeah. But um, you're downstream there, John, you've actually got a, you've got one of the fastest in the country here where I am here. I think we've got eight megabits down and seven sixty eight K up. And that's the, the second notch of service here. Normally, it's it's six megabits down, and I think two fifty six or three eighty four. I think it's three eighty four k up. Yeah, and here they just upgraded it recently. Yeah, um, it used to be I was capped at ten megabits. Whoa! Downstream. Oh, okay. Is, wow, that's still really fast. Which is like you know old style Ethernet. Oh, yeah, like it's a ten maximum. base T man. That's right. Uh, wow. Now what they did. <laughs> Uh, of course, in my G5 here, at least, I have, you know, gigabit, but that's another story. But um, my router is 100. But but in this case, yeah, I mean, that's... And I have reached that speed. Um, really? But I noticed one day, and I'm like, gee, you know, I heard Cablevision's going to do this, or Optimum Line's going to do this. And I ran DocsDiag and checked, and sure enough, it reported, you know, before I definitely saw it was 10. And then yeah. I saw, ooh, it's 15. And I did verify it with some of those speed and what, tests. What, what's your upstream now? Uh, my upstream is right now is uh, two, two megabits. Yeah, dude, that's more than twice as fast as mine. Yeah. Wow. Now the the the, the wow. these optimal guys are uh, are pretty good. Now the, the the bad news is that for the most part, no matter where you are, I think you only have one cable provider. That's right. Maybe yeah. Maybe some people yeah. out there, and please tell us. But uh, I think typically, at least where I am, I have there's one cable provider Take and it one DSL provider. Yeah, well, DSL, it's a, that's an interesting tangent to go on. The okay. phone companies are uh, uh, mandated to resell their services. So you may think that you can get DSL from 10 different providers, but it's all coming in on the same line. The phone companies, mm -hmm. and I think it's a fixed rate. They've got to sell it at you know 30% off retail or something like that, maybe 60% of retail, something mm -hmm. in there. Um and, and and so, you know, that's that's how all these phone companies years ago, not or not that long ago, maybe six or seven years ago, started popping up and saying, well, if you if your credit's no good and you want to do the, you know, prepaid phone, we'll do that for you. And it cost you a fortune, but at least you could get a phone. You were still using the same wires that you would have used before. You just uh, you just, you know, billing through a different provider is really what's happening. So you can get DSL from multiple people. 
but it's still the same line in the end. In most cases, like John said, if you've got you know multiple, if you're if you're sure that you've got truly multiple options, that's interesting. I mean, I'd like to know about that because I didn't think the FCC allowed that. Hmm. And but, and I went for cable immediately. It was funny because right. actually the the first day that I got my house, like the day I did the closing, yeah, you know, and I stayed home and uh, you know was just kicking back, enjoying you know the the joys of home ownership. Right. And the doorbell rang. I'm like. Wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it was the cable guy. And I'm like, oh, cool, good. because he probably got a termination notice. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, yes, give me cable modem now. <laughs> oh, I, see, I always book it in advance. I book it you know, weeks ahead of time just to make sure that it smooths right in. Yeah. And then like uh, two, one or two days later, I got one of those uh, doorknob things on my doorknob. Right. The phone company saying, hey, would you like DSL? And it's like, nah, mm, too late. No thanks. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been here that day. So it costs less typically, but you get less throughput. So it depends on how much you're willing to pay. I think here I pay like fifty bucks a month for, uh, but but with the speeds I'm getting, I'm 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 thrilled. yeah. Yours is pretty expensive, but it's you know expensive and worth it. I think. Uh, so now you know how fast your you know you know about your connection to the cable modems network or the cable company's network. You know that that's good. You know what your speed is supposed to be. You've tested it now. You know, is there anything you can do to make things faster, right? And there's all mm. sorts of people out there that for years, especially on the Windows side, I find that more than on the Mac side, but are talking about, you know, receive windows and buffers and all this other stuff. You know, does it matter? And you know, the Windows people like fiddling with things anyway. That's I right. Just well, they're, for, they're forced to. That's right. Uh, and in, in the short answer is maybe it might matter Depen yes. depending on what's going on. Back in the old day, the, the, the idea is, and, and TCP hasn't changed since, you know, the day Milo Medin came out with it, right? Or, you know, invented it and then it went on from there. But the way it works is you're constantly transmitting packets back and forth. And the packets are little bunches of data and they have a start and an end and various other things in the middle that we're just not going to go into because, A, it's boring for most of you. And, B, I'm sure I would get it wrong. So yeah. suffice to say, it's a packet. And what you do is if, if someone's sending a bunch of packets to you, you, you get the packet and you say, yep, it looks good. Thanks. And you send back, I got it or an acknowledgement, right? You yeah. act back to them. Well, if you waited for each packet to, you know, if you waited for the packet to come in to examine it and turn around and say, yep, thanks, there would be a major delay. You know, you get this little burst and you wait and a little burst and return, a little burst and return. Thankfully, it doesn't work that way. The packets just keep blasting at you, and you start sending your acknowledgments back. And the sending computer, when you first talk to them, you negotiate how big, how many packets you, you want to get at any point in time without having acknowledged them. And as long as that buffer is bigger than however long it takes you to acknowledge a packet, again, you're, you're looking at size of the packets versus speed of the connection and latency, which is the amount of time it takes a packet to get from one place to another. That's your, you know, as long as that's big enough, you're, you're a okay. If it's bigger than you need, you're okay. As long as you don't run out of Ram on your computer, which again, isn't a huge issue these days. Would you, would no, you say that's right so days. far? Yeah. And no, on the bad old days, mm -hmm. I would reflect here. Now, back when, you know, you and I were wee little geeks and uh, <laughs> geeks and using... training, 
geekettes or whatever. Call it. <laughs> I think we were just geeks. I don't think um, there was ever a geek in training back when we were when we were growing up, right? And we had these, you know, horrible devices called analog modems, and uh, you know, they had pathetic speeds like twenty four hundred bits per second and stuff like that. Terrible. And and you know, phone lines and and to an extent, I'd say DSL is that copper wire was not really meant for sending digital data, especially. Oh, no. you know, I mean, telephone lines were meant to spend to send voice data with them. Right limited bandwidth and also you know so it was relatively slow and the latency was terrible so you had to make these itty bitty packet sizes because also since the line you know was used for voice and not for digital data you tended to get errors so you wanted to make the packet size relatively small because you were pretty certain that something was going to screw up that's right so you didn't want to send a whole boatload of data and then find out whoops so back then in the bad old days the, the packet sizes tended to be small and there was a lot of back and forth with the error correction because something would probably mess up right now with um you know with the cable modems and the dsl and now you know some people even have i think verizon's doing this uh fios yeah fiber some people some places on the east coast with fiber you have a much you know smaller chance of something uh of errors you'll still get errors but uh but i would say a much smaller chance than going over a medium like a telephone modem or a, right. you know, a voice line which really wasn't meant to send computer data in the first place so yeah just reflecting back on that's right why you needed small packet sizes back then there you go so uh but but the current implementation works fine as long as your latency is fairly low and again latency is the time it takes uh, essentially you to between the time it takes to send a packet out and get an answer back so you know that and that usually is fairly small it's usually measured in milliseconds and you know, anything, pretty much anything below 100 or 200 milliseconds and the Mac OS 10 default buffer, which is 32K, at least in Tiger, that buffer is plenty big. Um, if, it, it, you know, in the old days, the buffers were like 8K and really once you got above 100 milliseconds, that there would actually be some lag there um, where, you know, it made a difference. With Mac OS 10 being at, at 32K, most of us are all right. For the fiber connections that John mentioned, that the latency can actually be pretty high, but the bandwidth can be really high. So Apple has released that broadband tuner that you might have seen come out a couple of months ago. I think it came out right before Macworld. And that will increase your send and receive buffers all the way up, uh, I think, to like 132K on the send buffer and like 355K or something on the receive buffer. And, of course, that, that pretty much solves any of the problems that you're having with that Fios thing. You can do it otherwise. It, it, it's not going to hurt anything. Most of us have plenty of RAM in our Macs, but there's just no reason to do it uh, that way if you, if you don't need to. Yeah, and I've seen mixed reports on, on some of the utilities that are used to tune. Yeah. I've seen mixed reports on some people. They said, okay, here, here is my download speeds from whatever site, and yep. then I applied you know, the tuning patch, and it, some people say it got better. Some people yeah. say it got worse. And, you know, you got to be careful because, you know, just because you applied something and things got better doesn't necessarily mean that that was the thing that made it better. That's right. Yeah, it could have been a lot you know, of There's things. lots of people on the Internet. You know, things could have changed. So, so if you know, you may want to run your tests at different times during the day and using That's different sizes and, you know, get a good data set to make sure that what you did uh, because personally, I get nervous digging in the innards of, uh, even though it's great fun, uh, I get nervous digging in the innards of something because usually it's probably set up to deal with most situations. That's right. Um, yep. 
But hey, if you like fiddling, just, you know, be careful. Now, and I do believe with the broadband tuner that Apple offers, you know, they do have a way to undo it. They certainly do. Yeah, they, yeah, they sure um, do. And, you know, just good geek technique. If you're going to change some values, you know, write down somewhere what they were before. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't screw things up further when you try to undo it and you make matters even worse. That's right. Yeah. Just, uh, so you can benefit from our uh, yep. sometimes uh, disastrous uh, Well, that's what happens when you experiment. That's right. Yeah, sometimes you are going to screw things up. It's just the nature of the beast, but, you know, that's what makes it fun, right? Yeah. Now, I think one way here, if you want to look at latency, just to get a warm fuzzy here about yeah. what your latency is, um, there should be a way to figure out what your default gateway is or the, the IP address of the router that you're talking to, which is the machine that pretty much you're dealing with. Not, not necessarily the one local to you, right? Because a lot of us run NAT routers or, you know, right. the Linksys broadband routers or any of those things. Um that's not the router John's talking about. Yes, and uh, and actually, I was just going through this right now. You want to go to the um, next one? That's right. And the way John's yeah. doing it, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a guess here that you're using a command line utility called Trace Root. Is that right, John? Um, I actually did ping. Ping. Okay. Well, but I that's, pinged the router. But how that's did you basic... find out? How did you find out what your router was? Good question. So actually, we should rewind a bit here. That's um, that's, that's why I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> we're here. For, well, we're both here for you. Yeah. But first off, I would strongly discourage anybody from getting a cable modem and plugging the cable modem directly into your computer. Yeah, you well, if you want to, um, yeah, as a general security mm. practice, I would. Uh, it it does can putting a router in the way. What what John is is suggesting is putting. <clears throat> Taking a, a, a device, typically called a router uh, or a firewall even, and putting that between you and the outside world, i.e. the cable modem. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, like I said, as a general rule of thumb, definitely I recommend it. it. And then obviously down the road, if you want to share that connection between multiple computers, that's certainly the easiest way to do it. But on the Mac, I wouldn't worry quite as much as I would on a Windows machine, simply because of all the exploits that are in use on yeah. Windows. Um, on the Mac, if I plugged it in or if I had to, you know, make something wide open to the outside world, I'm, I'm not really that worried because it's fairly well locked down. Obviously, if I opened up, you know, a mail server or something and let the world go through it, that's my own darn fault. But, uh, but otherwise, right. yeah, yeah, it's so, not um, a bad idea. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause a lot of machines, especially the windows machines, if you plug it in, especially the older versions of windows, the newer ones, especially with, uh, XP service pack two and all that fun stuff. Um, you plug into a network, um, and you're probably going to pick up something in, in, uh, you know, a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause people are con cause the thing is, you know, the, the IP address ranges for cable modems and high speed services are pretty well known to the people the are constantly cable scanning. out there. Yeah. And, and I saw that, I mean, for a while I set up what, you know, some refer to as a honeypot, which is basically a, you know, something that looks like something interesting, but, yeah. but really isn't. And actually I would have windows ports open. Windows networking ports open, um, but there wasn't anything there because I was running on a Mac, and I would have um, a firewall that would alert me when someone was, you know, trying to probe, you know, yeah. looking for yeah. uh, things like, you know, for example, the Windows shares, which I think are on ports 137, 139, things like that. And I would get stuff galore. I mean, there were oh, yeah. all over Constant the place. Scanning. It was getting ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, I eventually turned it off because yeah, it was actually so that, that's a that's a that's a good point you know the Macs do now offer you the ability in the in the sharing system preference to turn on what they call windows sharing which will advertise your mac to windows computers and if they know the right login let them see 
and interact with your files and printers. So, yeah, if I mean, if you've got if you're doing any kind of file sharing on your Mac, then def- I would say don't plug it directly into a cable modem. But otherwise, you're all right. Uh, you know, you're probably all right. I know there's some attorney out there that's cringing when I say mm-hmm. you're fine. <laughs> so, so um, anyway, so so but, so how did you find how did, did you find? Yeah, John, we're still talking about latency, or at least I thought we were. And right, so but of course you I'm not going to ping. Yes, yeah. right. The train's kind of wobblier here right yes. now. So, so what did I do? So of course I didn't, you know, because if I went on my Macs here, which are behind, I have a Linksys WRT. How did you find G. out the address of the router? How did I find out? I went to the router, which its address is a non-routable address, and I basically went to the status screen uh, okay. on the router, and it told me that my default gateway is, I'm not going to tell, it, tell you okay. what it is, That's but right. it's basically it an address that is not a 10.0. Right, 1.1 address or one of those non-routables because that's right. typically what this device does is it, it, it does something called NAT network address translation Yep, which translates a so you kind of have two sides to the device you have the outside we, where, don't, need to, we don't need to go there Yeah, we, we we've, go we've, there. And then we've the gone inside. deep enough on, on that stuff tonight yeah so yeah. I want the outside address so basically I got the default gateway address okay. and then I went to the command line and said ping now you can also do this I believe it's network utility in your utilities yes. folder also has a yes. ping that's right. I did and it on the command line. Yeah. And so at least this is one test. And so yeah. I pinged my router and I'm getting about seven milliseconds. Okay. Turnaround. And, that, and what, what John's what John's talking about, another way to do this is open up a command line, type the word traceroute, T R A C E R O U T E, or yes. use the use the network utility. It does the same thing, it runs the same tool. And so you're gonna type traceroute space and then some computer. www.apple.com is fine. It will get you out, right? You do that, you can whatever. Um, you're looking usually for the second hop if you've got a router, or the first hop mm-hmm. if you don't. And then what then what you want to do is back to the command line or again in, in the network utility, type ping or select ping and type in the address of that router. And you you'll see it in you know, the, the, the dotted decimal or the dotted, mm-hmm. what do they call that? It's not dotted decimal. Uh, dotted it? quad. Dotted quad. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the dotted quad format. And, and you're looking for the, the, the answer in milliseconds. Really, it's also good to look down that list and Traceroute will show you a little bit of this. So you've got it. You've got the, the latency numbers right there in milliseconds with Traceroute. And look at what yeah. it takes to get almost at Apple.com. Usually Apple.com won't respond to a trace route directly. Cool. But, but you've got to be careful, I think, because some devices don't appreciate you doing this. No, well, you don't want to do it all the time. Some things may not respond to the ping, but at least right. the first few hops. Like in my yeah. case, I looked at the first few and I got 8 milliseconds, 13, 7, 11, 10, 9 milliseconds. That, that's pretty good. Yeah. So it looks like I don't, you know, I'm not having a big delay talking to, and you know, it gives the address of all the. No, but it's good to look at the end of the chain because that's really what matters. That's the computer you're actually talking to, right? And mm-hmm. and so you you know, if your delay, if there is some big lag out there in the middle somewhere, you, you know, that that's something to be aware of. Try try looking at a couple of different places and see if it's only going to one site and not another. But mm-hmm. if you can get an idea of what your average latency is between you and the last <laughs> hop for a lot of these. Then you'll know if it's if it's less than two hundred, typically you're fine. If it's more than that, then you might want to run that Apple broadband tuner yeah. uh, to open things up a little bit. Like I got, for example, I, I pinged uh, Apple.com. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Apple, and I got pretty much around ninety milliseconds. Yeah, so you you know you're fine, and that's I'm getting the same thing here too. So yeah, so there are other tools. So well, that, there's the, well, the Speakeasy. Yeah, one. there's Speakeasy. 
Now, there's also what I found is very nice is a uh, activity monitor. Yes. Um, which we talked about last week, of course. But of course. there's a network portion there, and that has a nice little graph. Yes. You may want to look at that guy, too. Yeah, and it can tell you what your throughput is and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that. Hey, uh, so we have a couple other things to go through here quickly, um, but that's that's that. If you do have any questions about cable modems or, or have anything to add, next week is going to be an entire uh, reader-listener feedback show because we keep saying we're going to do that each week, and we wind up getting into our gab, and then there's no time. Yeah, wow. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Look at the time. The time. My goodness, look at the time. But I think uh, we covered a lot of good, meaty, geeky yeah, absolutely. stuff there. So Just be careful out there. I had a couple of... You sound like the guy from Hill Street Blues. <laughs> Hill Street Blues. I've got a link to that. <laughs> uh, that's actually a good segue there. Michael, of course, who is so kind as to do our enhanced feed conversion each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'll, I'm sure, have put a link into Hill Street Blues. Uh, mm-hmm. Asked me to ask you what you think of the enhanced feed. And I know there's actually quite a few of you out there that are... That are uh, that are downloading it. I think it's you know more than ten percent of you actually are are getting this enhanced feed. So we'd love to know what you think about it. He basically does this, and we upload it. There's there's you know not not a whole lot of uh, censorship. In fact, none really going on. Occasionally, he'll ask me something. Should I put this in? Should I put that in? But he's doing it. So send us any uh, feedback you have about the enhanced feed to, of course, macgeekgab at macobserver.com, and we will forward that along to Michael. And uh, and make sure it's exactly what you want. And speaking of you, we're running Me. our survey now. Oh, you? Th- yeah, well, them. You know, them. but but really not all of them. If you're hearing this, you're a very special listener, right? Because we haven't selected everyone to fill out the survey. It's only for you, and and, uh, you. and them, and the rest of them. There's <laughs> there's a link in the show notes. Uh, we, of course, along with Backbeat Media, which we explained last week, are running a visitor demographics uh, survey just to collect some general information. There is an iPod Nano, at least one of them in it for a lucky listener of the Mac Geek Gab that goes out and fills out the survey. And if tons of you fill it out, there will be even more. So please do that. Because, you know, we don't even know if anybody's listening to this thing. Oh, <laughs> don't say that. Sorry. Of course we do, because you vote for us. That's you right. You give us awesome, awesome feedback. Oh, yeah. The iTunes great. and Podcast Alley. Thank you so much. And you email us. You tell us what you like. You tell us what you don't like. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 the survey is just another way of, of telling us what you, how you experience the show and how you prefer mm. to do things. It just kind of gives us an idea here so that really, frankly, so that the ads that we have on the show are, are better targeted to you. <laughs> And that's better. Here. That's better for you and for the sponsor and and ergo for us. So it, I mean, really, it's it's that's exactly why we're yes. doing it. So we're here for you. Yeah. So hey, Lisa, uh, my wife ordered one of those calendars that you can get through iCal these days. The the oh, new nice. ones, dude. It's awesome. It looks amazing. They really did a great job. It's you know totally integrated and bound. There's nothing, you know, with the first books that we got. Some of the the. The cover picture was like stuck on there with this cheap glue and stuff. Hmm. It's not that way at all. This thing rocks and it looks, it just looks great. They really did a nice job with it. So if you haven't, it doesn't, now, you know, we got, we got some uh, people pointing out the fact that it seems you can do the, uh, the cards. 
Right, you can print the cards, but not the calendars on your on your own Mac. That's right. And I don't know if they meant to do that. Do you think they did? Oh, who knows? It almost seems like a bug. But could be. Shh, don't tell anybody. That's right. Yeah, you can you can print it out <laughs> to a PDF uh, and print it on your own if you have the right stock and all that. But don't tell anybody. That's right. <laughs> so hey, Mike, remember how I uh, I was uh, kvetching when I got my MacBook Pro that all my usernames and passwords in Safari were gone. I wish I could forget, but yes, I remember. <laughs> They came back. Magically. Oh, that scares. Oh, you know that <laughs> well, I think, stuff just really scares I, me I when think, things just come back and you don't know why. I reset my uh, my dot. Now, mind you, dot Mac sync had nothing to do with this coming in. They just simply weren't there. I, I hadn't synced or anything yet. They just didn't migrate properly. But really? uh, but then I had to reset my dot Mac sync. Things were totally out of sync on the the Macs that I sync with. So I wiped it all out and signed up each computer and after i ran it through one of those uh mm-hmm. it just they magically reappeared so i think the dot mac sync they did it but uh thank goodness so dot mac is able to if we follow apple's story on this right they said that mm-hmm. it was an incompatibility between the power pc and the intel chip that they couldn't get my passwords to lock into safari so dot mac sync is actually able mm-hmm. to overcome incompatibility problems if you believe what they said to me, uh-huh. I, yeah. I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy it either. No, as long as you select your keychain as something that you want to sync in uh, mm-hmm. in Dot Max Sync, uh, I don't see why the no, it doesn't matter. Platform should matter. Yeah, no, I think there was a it was a snow job. I think yeah, <laughs> that's what I told him. Uh, so I, I want to start doing something because my goodness, we might as well do something about all the spam that we get and. I want to talk about the spam of the week, and and it was inspired this week by one that I actually read, and it was a trick spam. It was from eBay, but it wasn't the Mm -hmm. typical eBay. I'd never seen this before. This one looked like it came from eBay, and it said, look, you bid on something, and you haven't, you know, it's been weeks, and you haven't, Uh you know, you haven't done anything about it, and you're going to get negative feedback, and eBay's going to come after you. I got that one, too. Yeah, and I thought, wow, that, I mean... I read through it and then look and saw that it was addressed, of course, to MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. And I thought, well, I didn't know we had an eBay account. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wait, we don't. We don't. I have have an email address that I use for nothing but eBay. And it's been, Uh I I don't know why I did that on day one, but it has been the saving grace because I don't use it for anything else. So it's not Mm -hmm. on any of the spam lists. So I am 99% certain when something comes into that email address that it's from eBay. So... Yep, and you know another clue for me? What's that? I know it comes from eBay because it has my member name in it. Yes, that's right. Yeah, good point. <laughs> that's right. So so that was my favorite spam of the week, and, and uh, this coming week, John and I will both look at our spam, and uh, and you look at your spam too, and, and yeah. maybe send it in with an audio comment. Don't forward spam to us because, no, you no. know. No, we, we, get, we get plenty. We got it. We got it. If you so get we filter it, it out. we've my already got it. My favorite actually was, please re- authorize your chase bank account yeah, uh, here's the yeah, problem they, i don't have a chase yeah, bank account yeah that's right <laughs> <sighs> so that's uh you know that's look that's at the time at. but look at the time my goodness look at the time oh you let the band back in i did but, but actually it's nice out so so they're not freezing out there it's actually pouring rain here tonight really yeah, yeah. we're supposed to get severe thunderstorms tonight but yeah, uh, right go. now it's just kind of foggy but it's, it's it's spring. It's like in the fifties. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I think. Do you think we're done with winter here in uh, uh, glorious? I, I 
New don't England. I want to say because if I say anything, <laughs> there's going to be a blizzard. I know. <laughs> it was 60 this weekend, though. That was nice. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we have to go through here. No. no I, I think we've kept our, our we've, listeners long yes. enough. And yeah. Thank you for sitting with us. And we do. Thank you very much for subscribing. in circles, whatever you do. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so I want to say thank you to our sponsor, AudioEngineUSA.com. Of course, you've downloaded this from Cashfly. Mm-hmm. Uh, audio feedback to MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. Show notes will be at MacGeekGab.com or MacObserver.com slash podcast. Uh, you can call us at 206-666-GEEK. Geek. Geek. And, uh, Geek. Yeah, I guess that's it. You yeah, geek. next time I'm going to hit record. It's going to be great.